0: Vintage Guitar people, welcome to Have Guitar Will Travel, presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine, with your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Deadlies. And today I'm speaking with guitarist and singer-songwriter, Michelle Malone. In our conversation, we cover her recent tour life. Living in Georgia and her Georgia lifestyle. We talk about her new album, 1977, named after the year she began playing guitar, and her favorite year of recorded music. The album is very vibey and has a lot of California, sort of Laurel Canyon feel. We talk about her influences, which are broad, and the influence of having a mom who was a professional singer in a piano bar. We discuss growing up in a musical family in the Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta and her early musical experiences, including meeting and befriending the Indigo Girls and opening their early shows. She tells us about her first guitar and alvarez she tells us about her first deal on arista records and how she ended up losing the deal we talk about her relationship and collaboration with the georgia satellites and we talk about the producers she's worked with including lenny Kay from the patty smith band and nick didia from rage against the machine and bruce springsteen she tells us about john mayer sitting in with her band and stealing a few members for his band we talk about her current band and how she adapts her band to her touring schedule and we talk here primarily her martin HD twenty eight. You can find out more about Michelle at her website, michellemalone.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-A-L-O-N-E dot com. And she's prolific on the socials. Please like, comment, and most of all, share this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And please support Vintage Guitar Magazine and all the wonderful things they do for us guitar players because they do so many wonderful things for us guitar players. Here's Michelle.
1: Hi. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. <sighs> I get to look at you, but you have to look at me.
1: No, I get to look at you
0: too. How's it going? Good, thanks. I'm just where, tech- I'm where making sure. Tra- I'm in Napa, California.
1: Oh, right on. It's super early for you.
0: That's, it's 8 o'clock. That's not that bad. The uh, where You're in Georgia?
1: Yes. I find it difficult to look good this time of day.
0: <laughs> well,
1: so, you're doing pretty good.
0: Nah, this is an audio podcast, so you don't have to worry about it.
1: That's so wonderful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh,
1: I have bags on my eyes. I've had a rough few days. So I put on his glasses and then I was like, well, now I just look like a douche. So.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. You do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Uh, how come you've had a rough couple of days?
1: Oh, it's a long story. You know, lots of delayed flights and cancel flights and crap like that. Okay. And then uh, I picked up a stray at the airport that some little girl was crying in the corner. and Oh, I- no. She'd never flown by herself before, and she didn't know what to do. Her flight was canceled, all this. So we tried to help her, and along about 4 o'clock in the morning, we just brought her home. I'm like, you know what? Come to my house. Wow. So anyway, it was like that, and then the next night I had a late gig, so
0: okay. you know how it is. I have a vague idea. <laughs> uh, are you doing mostly fly dates when you tour?
1: It really depends on where we go. I mean, we're coming out to the West Coast, and I'll be flying out to that, obviously. Sure. But uh, we'll drive to Texas next week, and I want. It just depends on what makes sense, and yeah, uh, I try to watch my bottom line, you know, because oh, yeah. if I don't, well,
0: <laughs>
1: exactly, I, I like. I like to have a house and a car. So.
0: <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. You, know,
1: you got to be careful.
0: What, what part of Georgia are you in?
1: Well, I was in Atlanta forever, and I just moved about an hour south of Atlanta to this little town called Fayetteville.
0: Okay, of course.
1: So I'm near, I'm closer to the airport, which I guess is good when you get home at three in the morning or whatever. So. <laughs>
0: It's you're closer to the to the Atlanta airport or to the.
1: I'm closer to the Atlanta airport.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's good. That that airport yeah, is huge.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and you know they're not doing you any favors there either. So <laughs> <laughs> I I prefer like uh, like I was just down in, I guess I was down in Tampa, and it's such a doable little airport compared to atlanta i like the little airport sure of course. like burbank yeah burbank's
0: <laughs> nice <laughs> that's that's far south of me though <laughs> yeah and uh in we have it in santa rosa we have an airport that's doable and and then in concord also a very doable airport and their major airlines are flying into it now so
1: oh nice
0: yeah but it's expensive that's the only thing it's so expensive to get to get the smaller the airport the more expensive the flights are
1: i went to write with this fella about two weeks ago in gunnison colorado okay there's i think there's literally two flights in and out of there every day or uh-huh. four not many and they had uh two uh gates okay. two gates That's it. the whole thing had two gates
0: nothing wrong with that <laughs>
1: no it was awesome but it was super expensive but you know you gotta
0: do what you gotta do. Oh yeah, absolutely. So th- your new album is
1: 1977.
0: Yeah. And and it's sort of life stories. Is that way that's that's what I I listen. I love it. It's super vibey. I I love hey. the vibe of the album. Very California, very West Coast for uh, for somebody from Georgia. Well,
1: let me tell you why. So uh, first of all, everybody wants to know why I named it 1977, and it's twofold. The first is that's the year I started playing guitar. Okay. And the second is that's one of my favorite years for music. Sure. Uh, Cause you know, I, I grew up in that era and I think that was the best music ever made. And I, I love music from, uh, you know, now all the way back to, I would say the twenties and I'm familiar with it all. Okay. And I grew up, uh, My mom's a professional singer. Okay. And her mom was. And, you know, I grew up on everything from music theater to Mozart and Puccini and to whatever they were singing at the time in my house. Uh And then everything in between, um, you know, with Mahalia Jackson to Led Zeppelin. And I love it all. But that 70s era is a real sweet spot because you got this this juxtaposition between you know they f- they figured out something in the music industry in the 60s and then in the 70s they figured out how to get it to the masses yeah and it had this reach and i think it it kind of maybe changed not only the industry but i think it changed the listeners to a degree and it raised our expectations because the music was so great. So we had Rumors with Mac, we had Steely Dan Asia, we had Eagles, you know, all that stuff. So yeah. I really love that California vibe. Now, it sounds that way, I think because uh, the last two weeks of February 2020, my guitar player and I toured the California coast oh, did up and really? down. We did. And, and we had like, two days off for two weeks, and we just soaked it up, you know. We've been out there before, but we love it. And you get the beach, you get the mountains, you get the cool vibes and the laid-back folks. And, of course, you get warm sunshine that time of year, which is a rarity for us. So we were really Mm -hmm. ensconced in that vibe, and even some of the local music we heard, you know, so... That really left a lasting impression on me when I came home, and then all of a sudden, March second, the world shut down. Sure, sure. Like the day I got home, so then uh, I really needed a lot of, I guess, comforting, and I always turn to music whether I'm sad or happy or depressed or jubilant. You know, music is for all occasions for me, oh, yeah. and it really, yeah. Uh, I, I put on that old stuff from the seventies because it was comforting. I mean, I also listened to Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald in that time, but you know, I don't make that kind of music. Uh-huh. I make guitar music. So, <laughs> so that's those are the two reasons why this record has that California vibe. It's a bit of a retro vibe too, but sure.
0: yeah, no, I definitely. Think good,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: yes yeah. i I love the song even the queen that that's one of my favorite songs on there i i love the the poppiness of it
1: oh thanks is that being fun and it later I figured out it sounds an awful lot like uh poor poor pitiful me
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well there you go there i mean that that's Laurel Canyon right there.
1: It is, and you know, I don't do these things on purpose. Okay. It just happens, and then later I also figured out not who I used to be sound did a lot like Neil Young. Uh huh. But when you grow up on that music, it's just all in there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's very, very much driving music. Like I could see myself driving down the highway listening to your record. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. So can we start, you mentioned you started playing guitar in 1977. Could we, what started you playing guitar? Your mom was a singer. Your grandmother was a singer as well?
1: Yeah. Um, There's a lot of folks like me whose grandmothers both played piano in the church. Sure. And everyone sang. And, you know, it's just, I always took it for granted that people had musical families. And I remember going to see my grandmother sing in church or sing at a piano bar. Uh And I remember going to see my mom sing in church or go watch her sing in a local club or hotel bar, you know. Uh Her gigs were rough, man. They were like (laughs) four or five sets a night, four and five hours a night, five and six days a week. Man. I know. I don't know how she did it. Um, and, and they smoked everywhere back then, you know, so yeah, that made yeah. it twice. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So, um, yeah, I just grew up watching them do that, and I thought that was normal.
0: Yeah.
1: Then she married my stepdad. They met in the band, and he's a drummer and a voice teacher. Okay. He taught me drums. And I think when I was a little kid, uh, you know, we used to go see music even when my mother wasn't in the band. So I remember going to see this fella on a Sunday night. It was a jazz trio and he played saxophone. And I just thought that was the coolest instrument I had ever seen. And I, I played that in school band from then on. Okay. And that was my first, you know, first I'm a singer. Then I played sax and I found my brother's guitar in his closet. (laughs) When I was 11 and, he told me not to touch it, so that's all I wanted to do, of course,
0: <laughs> of course, this is all in Atlanta, yeah, what part of Atlanta?
1: Well, I guess technically it's Buckhead, but it wasn't Buckhead we know today, okay, Buckhead was such a small town back then, you know, um uh, you could kind of walk everywhere, and my father worked at the Sears apartment store in downtown Buckhead. And wow. It, you know, when he got out of high school, he was there. And it was just very doable, you know, and all your friends live nearby. Now it's, I don't even recognize Atlanta. And I <laughs> i feel like a stranger in my own towns in that respect. I'll drive down the highway and look around and not really recognize where I am. I know instinctually where I am. Sure but <laughs> it's so different
0: <laughs> that you mentioned um, playing in the school band. Did you play in bands outside of school when you were in high school or when you were in school?
1: Uh, I had a friend up the street from me in high school and he played drums and he loved classic rock. And, you know, so I would go up there. He was up this really steep hill and I would carry my guitar up there after school <laughs> and we would jam. And he, uh, Hey, and you know, I enjoyed the same music. You know, it was a lot of classic rock stones and The Doors and Zeppelin and stuff like that. So that's uh, what we tried to play. Well I'm sure it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, and not to mention the fact that back then in high school, we smoked a ton of pot. <laughs> so I'm sure we were extra, extra terrible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what you do in high school, I sure. guess.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so when did you were you were you playing and singing at clubs at at some point just solo or or was it did you get in a band with the, with a guitar player
1: no i I didn't do that. I wasn't there but about a year and then I left home and kind of bounced around and uh you know i it wasn't until I got into college that I started playing music out. Um, so I met the Indigo Girls, wow. and we were all, at they were in Emory, and I was at Agnes Scott here in Atlanta. Wow. And uh, they were just getting started, and, and they convinced me to come play some of my original songs at one of their shows, and that's how wow. I got started. I was never brave enough, opened the door so widely and extended so, nice invitation that i felt obligated and it also felt like the right time you know yeah and i played three songs at some little club called the dugout down in emory village where the kids hung out you could get you know probably a three dollar pitcher of beer and wings for nothing <laughs> then. and that's that was my first real gig and then from then on i played at a lot of their shows and then i started playing around atlanta in my own shows and uh-huh. you know uh timing and being in the right place at the right time that's that that counts for a lot I oh think. yeah
0: for sure that but, but so playing your own shows like how did you make that transition from from opening to to playing? very
1: around? badly <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a car. I didn't have a license. Um, and when there were gigs where I needed to bring a PA, I had to borrow my friend's stick shift car. And I remember just, you know, trying to get to the gig in that. Like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I couldn't drive as big shift. So, you know, it was that. And then I, I didn't have a lot of grace on stage. I mean, it's taken me my entire career to get to the point where I'm even this good. You know? <laughs> there are some people who play guitar for five minutes and they're incredible, like, you know, they come out of the womb of finished product. you know, and I, I would think like Steve Ray Vaughan or, or John Mayer or people that I know just from the get-go sounded like them and knew what they wanted to do and knew how to do it immediately, and that was so not me. It's just been Really, a, a learning experience all the way.
0: Yeah, but that's a, it's a learning experience for all of us. Were you still playing your your brother's guitar at that point, or did you did you have your own guitar now?
1: No, my parents got me a guitar shortly after that. It was in Alvarez, and uh, it was hanging on my wall. It's not anymore, <laughs> but I, it's here in a cave somewhere. Okay. I love that guitar. It got all tore up. I loaned it to my little brother at some point. <laughs> And I, I guess somebody came to his house and put their foot through it.
0: Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
1: Lots of stories. I had it repaired, but you, you know, you can't really play it anymore. But you can hang it and look at it and go, "Wow, that was my first guitar." Or whatever.
0: Yeah. How did you, How did you work into getting a deal at Arista?
1: I I have no idea. You know, um, it seemed to me in the mid 80s when I got started, a lot of local bands put out their own records on their own label Mm -hmm. or on indie labels, and there were a lot of indie labels in Atlanta at the time, or half in Georgia. So I followed suit, put out a record, and then uh, a guy from the local Creative Loafing, uh, it's like an entertainment paper
0: sure
1: weekly um came to see me and loved my record and just started pitching me around and really came to bat for me and next thing you know he started managing me and then i was signed to a label and it, it was very strange i don't even remember that being my goal uh-huh. i just loved music and wanted to play it but then when other people started getting signed, then I got signed, and I thought that's the way it was supposed to be. And yeah. and other people started taking off, and I assumed that the same would happen for me. And it kind of fizzled out there. But I didn't really fit the mold that I was assigned to, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure. And sure. It, Clive Davis, with all his knowledge and experience, really didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> And uh, you know, that's fair. I, I did what I could to screw it up and they did what they could to make it work and here we are.
0: <laughs> did you was it a big letdown when when you got dropped or
1: uh I didn't get dropped is the strange thing. I quit. My oh. brother had gotten really sick oh. and sorry at some that. point at some point um after, I think, three years, I've been with Arisa. And we've been turning in a lot of demos and things, and they didn't like any of them. <laughs> At some point, they actually said to me that they wanted me to be more like Joan Jett.
0: <laughs>
1: and, I, you know, I love Joan Jett as much as the next person. She's great, but I, I am not her, no. and she is not me. So that that came on the tail of my trying... To be an arena rock band because they threw me to the wolves with you know, and I toured with Skinner and I toured with Zeppelin. I'm sorry, Zeppelin and um, some bands like that. And uh, you know, I tried to play the part and and do all that, but it it really just wasn't who I am, and I couldn't make it work and still look at myself in the mirror every day. So I started drinking more and doing more drugs. And and then when my brother got sick, it occurred to me that if I didn't stop this nonsense, I was probably going to die. And uh, I just called Roy Lott at Arista Records and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. It's going to kill me. I need out. Yeah. And he just thought, I guess he thought I was going to go on a sabbatical for a little while. And he said, well, okay, that's fine. You can come back anytime you want. The door's always open. Uh-huh. And, uh, then I called the band and then I called my manager and I told everybody what had happened. And no one talked to me for 10 years after that. Oh
0: man. <laughs>
1: but you know, it's for me, it's, there's this fine line between success and self preservation. Sure. There's, there's a whole lot of things I will do you know to succeed in life, but there's a whole lot of things I will not do yeah. and, um, <laughs> I can't pretend to be someone that I'm not. It's just not in my DNA. yeah I, I wish it were because if it were, I'd you know probably be rich and famous, and that'd be something different to contend with. but I'm pretty darn happy at this point, And I, I've seemed to have made it work for myself. So I don't really have too many regrets except for maybe the people I hurt along the way. Yeah. But after a while, you know, the manager and that band and I, we all made up and yes. everything's fine. Now, but it's been a long road, you know?
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. The, uh, you play, or you had something to do with, with my favorite song on that dedicated record. I love that Oh, dedicated. I knew you
1: were going to say that.
0: <laughs>
1: I love the Georgia Satellites. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I discovered them, and they were playing some crappy little club in Buckhead <laughs> called Hedgens. You know, and it may have held 150 people on a Saturday night. It was tiny, and there was always a line out the door to get in when they played. They played, I think – uh Every Sunday or Monday or something like that. Anyway, they, to me, were like Atlanta's own little Rolling Stones. Yeah. They were so good. And and then, um, you know, Dan Baird and Rick Richards were obviously in the band. And uh, uh, the producer, Brendan O'Brien, was playing bass with them. Oh, wow. And he would walk off with Rick and play guitars. I mean, it was a force to be reckoned with. You, you couldn't believe how great it was. And that influenced me too. That's one of the biggest Southern influences I ever had, honestly, uh-huh. besides, you know, blues and jazz and, and, and Georgia rock and roll is just, sure. Sure. I think it's the backbone of, of what we now call rock and roll, but sure. uh. Yeah, I loved them, and and so I got to be friends with Dan and Rick after I got signed, and we had played some shows together and things, and and so I guess when that situation arose, Dan thought of me and, and invited me to come sing backup. Right, so huh? I was that's quite the an honor, and then to get to you know be in a five minute band with Ben Tench and those folks, pretty intense. That's great. <laughs> again it's like timing right
0: yeah but still that's that's amazing i mean it, it takes it takes talent as well
1: i guess there's so much talent out there though you know
0: well, but that's what you do with it at, at, timing isn't a factor for sure you worked with produ- producer nick Diaz. was that on your arista records or was that with uh that is after that that was after that um on
1: the arista record I worked with Lenny Kaye from the Patti Smith group. Oh, yeah, of course. And I was a big fan.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it took, I guess it took over a year after I was signed for us to find a producer that we all agreed on. Wow. Because they kept trying to get me to work with these big rock producers. And I didn't care for the sounds and the arrangements and the tones and their attitudes. Quite frankly, yeah. none of it worked for me. And when I met Lenny, and it's ironic that it took that long because Patty Smith was signed to Arista,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so we finally got Lenny on board, and it it clicked. Uh, I really had some chemistry with Lenny, and, and I still do. He's a good friend, and good. I I love death. Yeah, that's great. Now, I will say this, though, we, we practically had a fist fight in the studio because, <laughs> so you know, on one, on one hand, I think the label tried to get him to get my band to quit. So wow. he was really hard on them. Yeah, the label never wanted me to keep my band, and that was another reason it took so long for us to get a producer, because I wasn't going to work with anyone that wasn't going to let me keep my band. Yeah, Um, You know, maybe to my detriment, but they were my brothers, and, and I'd been with them for many years, and I feel like I needed that. And I have no regrets there either. And then the other Thing I remember Lenny telling me is that he wouldn't let me play any Stones chords.
0: <laughs>
1: and then I swear, five minutes later, Cheryl Crow's first record comes out, and what's it full of?
0: Yeah, it's a Stones chords. chords. <laughs>
1: anyway, uh, you know he he was a came from more of a new wave punk rock background, and and although I liked that stuff, that wasn't really my backbone. Yep. So there was that, but I love Lenny.
0: Uh-huh. So what was it like working with Nick Deas?
1: Nick is great. Nick is very creative and in a inward way. He's not incredibly outspoken. He's not incredibly demonstrative, but he has such an instinct. When he sits behind the console, he almost sometimes looks like Ray Charles. Oh, right. wow. He has his hands on the console, like he's playing an instrument, and he shuts his eyes and he sways back and forth and kind of slightly moves the console buttons you know yeah. and and the next thing you know, it's perfect sounding, and it feels good and you know we uh we made my record debris together. Uh-huh uh i think that was 2009 okay and i love the way that record sounds and and he really did a great job of helping me get the songs to a good point you know
0: yeah
1: i I love what he did with it (laughs) of course you know nick he's engineered some of the greatest real rock and roll records i can think of sure Of course. And also worked with female singers like, I think, Faith Hill. So he he knows how to get it all together.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Were you working with your current band at that time, or or how long have you been working with your current band?
1: It seems uh, after my heiress deal, uh, then it became a bit of a revolving door. And I would keep, band for a year or six months or two years, but someone was always coming and going mm-hmm. um, I had I had a, a really tight band in the late 90s and uh, that's when John Mayer moved to Atlanta and he used to come sit in with us all the time and oh, the wow. next thing I knew he, he went on the road and first he took my bass player and then I got <laughs> another bass player And then he took him and then (laughs) it was like, all right, dude, I I completely get it. This is a much better gig for these guys, but damn it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's not right.
1: Yeah. You can't get angry at people for, for wanting to climb the ladder and make more money and have better gigs. So, (laughs) but but yeah, so, but I've had the same guitarist now for six or seven years. His name is Doug keys and, Uh Uh, he's, uh been, he's now in my four bands, and he's in all of them. So he's, we click. He's like a brother, and, uh-huh. and it's very uh, interesting. We After we'd been playing together a year or two, we figured out that our, um, his father, his mother, and my grandmother had known each other down in Florida growing up. Wow. <laughs> and we didn't know that, so... Yeah, it's, it's like we're related.
0: <laughs> right on. And uh, so you've been working with him for six or seven years?
1: Yeah, and so he's all over the new record. And okay. The last two records. And then he, we have a Christmas band called the Hot Toddies and he plays jazz guitar in that, like jazz and 50s style kind okay. of stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then we had... A reunion of my Arista band, Drag the River, and my old guitarist wasn't interested, so he stepped up and played all those parts. So he's very versatile, you know. Uh, And he plays from his heart. You know, he closes his eyes and just has at it. Uh And he rarely will play the same thing from night to night, and I love that.
0: (laughs) Very cool. With this band right now, are you going to, are, what are your tour plans?
1: Well, usually Doug and I tour as a duo. Okay. Uh, and 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 it works really well, especially in in the clubs. Uh-huh. We can we can honestly we can take it from a house concert to a rock club or a listening venue to opening for you know theaters and yeah. arenas. It's not we don't lose anything without the band. However. When I have uh, festival gigs or bigger gigs, um, you know, within three or four hours drive, I'll take the whole band Uh because it makes more of an impact, you know? Yeah. And I love playing with a band. It's just not always feasible.
0: Yeah, of course. Being
1: independent and all, you don't have that big fat checkbook that'll write. Exactly. Right, money to tour on and pay for your hotel rooms and your gas and all that.
0: And exactly, your John Mayer checkbook. You don't have that. That's right. <laughs> that so when you when you do to, like so you're going to Washington and Oregon here coming up pretty soon. Are uh, are you going to stay in hotels or are you staying at what are you what are you doing? Airbnbs or
1: no? We usually stay in hotels. Um, if we have house concerts, we might stay with the host, okay. but. Uh, You know, well, after a while, you kind of need a little space. You know,
0: no, I I totally get
1: that. I I love, (laughs) I love staying at people's houses and meeting them, and I get to hang out with them and talk with them and meet their family and friends. But um, can't do too much of that in a row because eventually you just need some time alone. Oh yeah, yeah. So we balance it out.
0: Good, (laughs) very good. And I should ask you about gear. So, what are you what are you using as far as guitars first?
1: Um, when I'm touring as a duo, I really just bring out a I have a Martin HD twenty eight right behind that,
0: you. Is that
1: well, that's one of them. I actually have about four or five of them. Oh wow, My, keeping them in rotation because I have some older ones that I've played a long time that. Sound amazing and are broken in and magical, but I'm afraid to fly with them. Yep.
0: No, I totally understand. <laughs>
1: uh, last yeah. September, I I went out to Spokane, and they busted the headstock off one of my guitars. Doesn't, so.
0: doesn't that suck? So
1: I, I kind of <laughs> was a bad feeling. <laughs> yeah. And they fixed it. I got it fixed, but, uh, you yeah. know. Yeah. I don't think this is the one that got broken but no but um so I'm I'm kind of rotating them in and out depending on the gig. Yeah. So I love uh a Martin HD28 and what I have found the first one that I ever bought, I got used and it I believe is a 96, 1996. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that guitar is incredible. And everywhere I take it, all the sound all the players are like, wow, that guitar sounds incredible. Great. Yes, I know. I don't know why. <laughs> so then I tried to get another one and another one. They didn't sound the same. So then I started looking for serial numbers that were close to it. Uh-huh. And, uh And that started working. Oh, good. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guitar. When I play with the band, I also have um, – Let's see. I have a '59 a Supero Dual Tone. Wow, Dual Tone that um, I play slide on. Okay, and ooh, that thing's mighty. <laughs> it's just got this fat, nasty tone. I don't have to use hardly any effects on it. Uh-huh. I use. Uh, <laughs> I like this these old cheap Sound Tank delay pedals uh-huh. because they sound like an echoplex to me okay they are not that clean yeah and you can get the same effect and it it's 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 analog and it sounds like it or i think it is i don't know if it is or not but it sounds like and so i really love that uh to the point where i actually started using one when i have to take a pa to smaller gigs like Uh, house concert sure i'll use it on my vocals and it sounds
0: yeah what? It just
1: adds this element of compression yeah, without a lot of hoopla. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, they've, they've actually really gone up in price in the past couple of years, which I'm surprised about because they used to be like 30 bucks. Wow. <laughs> you can't fix them. They're so cheap. When the jack breaks, you just have to toss it pretty much. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I like that. And, um, I have a, a compressor I'll use, uh-huh. uh, Healy compressor and yep, that's really just for slide.
0: Uh huh. The two knob compressor or the four knob compressor?
1: Uh, it's a two.
0: The yeah, two knob.
1: It's a good one. I don't like a lot of uh, <laughs> knobs. Likewise. In fact, my preferred amp nowadays is this little Supra Super. It's from '59 as well, and it's got one. Volume knob and it's the same on and off switch, so I have no choice, <laughs> and I good. like it. Yeah, I got a lot going on on stage, and the last thing I want to worry about is twisting knobs. Yep,
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree. So that's
1: pretty much that, and I and I like a Telecustom. I've got an old, I guess it's a seventy four Telecustom that I love. Wow, nice. And so those are my main workhorses. I got a bunch of other stuff that I don't play as often, but yeah. I'll use in the studio. You know. But
0: well, what kind of? Do you know what kind of pickups are in your uh, Martins?
1: Yeah, I started using. Well, I think I used to use uh, the Fishmans. Yep. Was it uh, the Matrix?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, so one of my guitars has that, and my main guitar has a. Uh, makes the venue di
0: uh is it lr bags i don't know yeah, yeah
1: yeah my brain is fried i, so I yeah, can't believe i got now it right. I the, <laughs> no you're doing better than me so now i've got the lr bags in there and i'm using the venue di and it is magically delicious oh good uh i i, I has this notch knob that i can use to take out uh whatever low end feedback oh good usually will occur with these martins yeah without without getting too heavy handed and so it still sounds great and i actually have gotten to where i can EQ it with two or three of my guitars and use the same line yeah. and one EQ will work for all of them instead of having to have three different lines like i used to which is a big pain in the ass so um, that venue Di has really simplified my touring life. I really love it.
0: Cool. I I better let you go because Zoom is going to cut us off in any second now because we only, oh, we okay. only get forty wow. minutes with Zoom. But how do people get a hold of you?
1: MichelleMalone.com. dot com is uh where you can find me and my videos and all this stuff more than you ever need to know about me is there <laughs> and you can reach me through there too i i get a lot of those emails Good. if it has my name on it i'm probably going to get it right on and uh, and yeah you can send a book inquiry or whatever
0: right
1: on check out the hot toddies or my my cover group Canyonland that plays laurel canyon songs oh
0: right on <laughs>
1: That's my new favorite side gig.
0: <laughs> right on, I like that. I've
1: never had a, a cover band until about a year ago. I'm doing my career backwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and w- I really
1: what, enjoyed this. Thank <laughs> you.
0: I enjoyed it as well. Uh, social media? What? What's your? Are you on social media at all?
1: I am. Uh, it's uh, almost all of them. Instagram, Facebook stuff is at Michelle Malone Music. Okay. Right. Apparently, there's a softball player and a stripper named Michelle Malone. So I couldn't have. That. <laughs> and on Twitter, I'm Michelle Maloner with an R on the end of my name.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> Do what you can. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Michelle. It's been an honor to speak with you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope I get to meet you uh, when I come out to California.
0: I, you know what? I'll I'll be watching and and uh, I'll reach out if you're out if you're coming out this way. Thank you. Thank you. Or maybe Have I'll i <laughs> Yeah, use as well. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Have Guitar Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye guys.